Good afternoon, everybody, uneducated economist here. So I can't tell you when, but here in the future, we're going to see lumber prices shoot up again. And I know that there is going to be plenty of people out there who are crying greed and manipulation and all the conspiracy theory stuff that, you know, came out the first time that lumber ran up to 1700 per thousand. This is do this is not a greed or manipulation or conspiracy theory or any of that stuff. This is straight up the bullwhip effect. It's in full play right now. If the uneducated economists can call it out right now, then there is no way that it could possibly be a conspiracy theory, right? So now what's happening is that there is an inventory depletion taking place. The, the mill curtailments are now moving their way all the way up the line to where you get the source. Right. And this is really where a problem is going to to occur when it comes to lumber prices, because it's not a matter of just like all of a sudden here, you can just produce lumber. Right? It's really easy. Lumber is simple. Just just produce it. Right. It is a very difficult thing to produce. And now it seems simple enough because, you know, when you look around, there's just lots of it. But there is a huge, vast distribution network that pushes lumber through this system. It's almost like water. It flows like it flo it's if you think about it like water, it's it's very similar, like filling the sluices up, because right now you think about it. There is not a lot of demand for lumber. If there's not a lot of demand for lumber, that means that the mills are going into curtailment. Right. That means if they if there's not a lot of demand for it, then why should they produce it? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. They only want to produce what they can sell. They don't want to produce a bunch of stuff that they're not going to sell. So they go into curtailment and they start slowing down. If they start slowing down, then they don't need logs. They don't need the lo the timber to cut up. So they have a stack. Like all mills have this huge stockpile of logs that they work from. And so that they never run out. There's always this big, huge amount of it. And they fill in and then sometimes that, you know... That big pile depletes a little bit. Sometimes they get a bunch more of it. But for the most part, they're always working off of this huge pile of logs. Well, now, if they're in curtailment, they got this huge pile of logs. They tell the loggers, like, hey, we don't we don't need any more logs. You know, we're, we're in curtailment right now. We're not sawing up the stuff that we have already. So you need to stop sending us logs. Right? Well, all the way up, up, in, up in the hills where they're cutting the trees up in the woods, they're like, well, we already fell a bunch of trees i mean they're laying on the ground right now we can't stand these things back up right so you're getting those i mean they're they're coming down or else they're going to sit up here and rot so those ones go down but as far as the loggers cutting new trees down right no those ones stand standing timber stays and all the trees that have fallen well, they come, you know, they get loaded up on the trucks and sorted and finally work their way off the hill and get all the way down to the mills and go back into the sorting yard down there. That was quite a travel that they have to go through from the time that they cut them way up in the hills, up in the woods, to the time they travel all the way down to the mills. It's a long ways. I mean, you know, it's, believe me, if you like ever ran the hills around here in the Pacific Northwest, logging roads are vast and long and distant. And, you know, it's quite a, quite a distance. A lot of these trees have to travel in order to get from the, from where they're cut down to where they actually get sawn, you know, up at the mill. So this is what happens is that there's this huge gap in production that takes place as the mill curtailments are happening due to the 
lack of demand that's out there in the retail sector, right? You know, whether it's commercial from, you know, home builders or, you know, going down all the way down to people who are remodeling their house or, you know, building chicken coops or woodsheds or whatever. This demand drops off dramatically and you're going to find that the gap in production takes place all the way through this whole line. Well, same thing that happens throughout the rest of the distribution network. You think about it. If the retailers are lowering their inventory, the wholesalers out there are going to lower their inventory. All the distribution hubs are going to lower their inventory. The rails are going to have less inventory on them. The mills are going to have less inventory going there. All the way up to these logs that are now piled up at the mill that they're slowly working their way through. Well, eventually it gets to a point where they're like, okay, so the demand picks up, right? All of a sudden the demand picks up and the distribution network starts to flow and there's not enough material. And all of a sudden things are running out. You're like, hey, I'm running out of two by four, you know, 16s. There's very few of them out there. Yeah, because there's a lot of plate stock going out. People are starting to build again. So the demand for two by four 16s starts to pick up. So the mills start producing more two by fours and you know, two by sixes for plate stock and studs, but the wide start to, you know, start to diminish. You can't find two by twelves out there. Well, the mills aren't running as many of those, or they're not running as many beams because everybody's demanding two by fours and two by sixes. So now all of a sudden framing becomes very difficult and the price of framing starts going up because you can't get these other particular materials like the, the beams or the, you know, or the joists that you need for doing roof rafters or floor joists or something like that. And this is where the difficult times start to come in from these mills. So they start saying, hey, man, we need more logs. We're going to start cutting up a lot more stuff. And the loggers are like, oh, yeah, hey, no problem. We'll fire up. We need to go cut some trees, though. And they're like, well, we need the trees now. You know, we need to start filling in. You know, we're running through our stock. We're going to need trees. And they're like, well, we need to cut them. You know, we need to cut them down first. They need to fall onto the ground. And then we can haul them up the hill. And then we can put them on a truck. And then we can take them down off the hill. And then we can take them to your mill. And then you can cut them up eventually. There's a long ways to go there. So once the demand starts picking up from the mill to the loggers, the loggers have to, what, cut the trees and get them all the way to the mill. How long does that take? Right? During that time, right? although some logs will start pouring in right away, the actual steady flow of getting logs to the mill takes a while to reestablish again. And that's really where the problem starts to come in, is reestablishing that new distribution network again, as getting the logs to be a steady flow to these mills is very difficult, as you have to cut them off the, you know, cut them down, haul them up, get them, you know, all the way there, then get them milled up, then get them to the distribution networks, through the distribution lines, through all the hubs, through all the retailers, and then start getting it back into the people's, you know, availability to be able to purchase them. And now you think about it, you got mills, I mean, you think about how much different types of lumber there really is. I mean, you think two by fours, two by six, two by eight, two by 10, two by 12, that's the common framing. Then you got eights, tens, twelves, sixteens, twenties, right? Those are the common ones. Pre-cut studs, 92 and five eights, 88, five eights, 104 and five eights, right? These are all different different lengths of the two by fours, two by sixes out there. I mean, you've got so many different varieties of types of lumber that need to be produced, wrapped, sorted, 
loaded and sent out to to the market. I mean, it's just like this isn't something that just like, hey, you can just go down and just get whatever you want. They just have a pile of apples down there to pick up. It doesn't work like that. You know, it has to it goes a lot off of the demand, off of what the futures are saying, off of what the home builder sentiment is going off of, and then how much flow to this system is actually taking place. If you have this gap in production like we are experiencing right now, so long as the loggers are not cutting those trees down, if they're not cutting the trees down, then we are going to have a huge gap in production take place. Because as this, as the, the time that is not coming, as the trees are not coming off the hill and going to the mill, as that widens, as that lengthens out there, it magnifies how much it takes in order to reestablish that down the line. So by the time it gets to the retail end of it, it could take, like, you could shut down production for two weeks. It might be, you know, months down the road that they feel the effects of that, right? You know, not, maybe not complete shortages, but maybe like inventory, like limitations or unavailable items or, you know, lead times lengthening out stuff like that so as long as this like you know gap in production has taken place we are going to find that we are going to have huge issues at the end of the line when it comes to how much you pay for it and it's not a manipulation it's just like i mean is it a manipulation when the mills are like hey i mean if we can't make money we can't make money sorry we're not going to produce is it their fault i mean is it like should you you know should the mills really be forced to mill lumber when they're not profitable off of it I mean, ask yourself that is that I mean, anybody who's going to be screaming manipulation and greed and conspiracy theories here in a, you know, three, four, five months, six months, whatever it takes for the lumber prices to start shooting up again. If you're the one of those people and now you're watching this video thinking about that stuff, think about some of the things that I just said. I mean, if you are a mill right now, right at 400 per thousand which is barely meeting your input costs going into the lumber itself. If that's the, if that's the position you're in, should you be forced to actually be milling this lumber up and adding more inventory to, to the system when there's very little demand for it going out there because the home builder sentiment is so low. I mean, is this, I mean, it's not a conspiracy theorist. This is what's taking place. Just give us some time and you're going to find that all this stuff is going to eventually start happening. Right. And then everybody's going to fire up and they're going to be like, oh, man, we're going to have this huge demand for for trees and everybody's going to get to to cutting trees. Right. They're going to start cutting. They're going to start hauling those things down to the mills. The mills are going to be firing up. They're going to be pumping out a lot of lumber because they're going to be getting a thousand per thousand for it. Why wouldn't you pump that lumber out? All right. OK, I think I made my point on that one. Um, an educated economist. You guys let me know. Oh, Here's one. Um, before I let you go on this, uh, somebody asked me what a thousand per thousand meant. Like, what does that mean? What is a hundred per thousand? What is, you know, 20 per thousand? What is 120 per thousand? What does that mean? And so lumber futures are based off of a two by four standard and better Doug fur. And whatever, there's a handful of mills out there. And I wish I could tell you which ones I, I should put the list down. But there's a handful of mills out there that um, that the lumber futures are followed. Like they, they sell contracts for the future, you know, a certain amount of lumber in the future. And those contracts at these particular mills, um, when they sell those contracts, uh, 
those are the ones that are followed as far as like the futures contracts when you're watching them. It's not necessarily exactly what the mills are selling lumber for. It's not a set price. Like you go down to the mill and you know, you look at your phone, you're looking at the futures price and then you go to the mill and you ask them how much they're selling it for. And you're like, how come it's not the same price? It's because you're not that, that futures price is really just for a handful of contracts from a handful of mills to kind of give you an idea of what the future is for those particular items coming from it. And it'll give you kind of like a good idea of it. What the con what the, what the, sorry, what the mills are selling at the current price that is called cash or print. And that is something that is very different. So when you're looking at like, say, you know, you fire up the CNBC and you're looking down there at the agriculture, you go to commodities, agriculture, lumber, and it says down there like, you know, 425 per thousand or something. Be careful on what contract you're looking at. That could be the current contract. It could be a contract two months down, you know, down the road, depending on, you know, how close to the closing of the current contract is. And there's like these things close every two months. So it gets quite complicated on it. As far as the thousand per thousand, like how they come up with that, they're talking about a thousand board feet, right? And that's 144 cubic inches is one board foot, however you want to figure it out. So the easiest way to kind of understand it is one inch is thick, 12 inches wide, 12 inches long, one board foot, right? So a two by four being two inches thick, four inches wide, one foot long, that would equal out to a 0.667 board feet. And that's, you know, for every lineal foot of, of two by four, that works out to, you know, two thirds of a board foot. And so now this is how they figure out um, pricing for lumber, because trying to figure out per lineal foot really starts getting complicated when you're going from two by fours to two by twelves to two by sixes and all these different lengths for each one of them. When you're pricing out per thousand, then the person who is either buying or selling, selling, selling the lumber, (laughs) geez, I'm starting to lose my, starting to slur my words here a little bit. Um, the person selling the lumber, they can easily figure it out because all they have to do is just think, okay, well, I'm selling a two by 12 or I'm buying a two by 12. And then the price per thousand, you just do the equation for it. And then you know how much you're, you're selling it for instead of trying to figure out exactly like how much a two by 12 sells for by its by per lineal foot. All you have to do is just say, how much are the two by 12s going for? And you say, you know, they're going for, you know, 580 per thousand. And it's just like, oh, okay, 580 per thousand. There are two by 12s. There's two lineal feet per lineal foot at 585 per thousand. That's 58 cents, uh, you know, basically a board foot. And so what, you know, a dollar 16, I guess, per lineal foot on a two by 12, if I got that right. So somewhere around that. Anyhow, um, Hope that helps. Maybe I'll do another video that just explains per thousand pricing. It's kind of complicated. I mean, a lot of times people will just get really confused about the per thousand. And it's funny because like I watch a lot of people like go to the calculator and, and all salesmen do it seem to be doing it differently. Like as far as like how they figure out a price per thousand. I don't know. I mean, but that's how I do it. You know, break it down to cubic inches and then, you know, then you have to think it's how many, you know, how many dollars per thousand board feet? How many board feet do you have per thousand? Uneducated economists, you let me know.